0: so we've got some fresh squeezed lemon juice lime juice and here's the secret orange juice
1: whoa three citruses
0: we definitely made fun of you behind your back but it had nothing to do with your age you <laughs> didn't do
1: that welcome to hello phd a podcast for scientists and the people who love them This week, we're celebrating our birthdays and asking those deep existential questions like, am I too old to go back to school? Stay with us. And we're
0: back. This is Hello, PhD, episode 10, The Decade Mark. I'm Joshua Hall. And I'm Daniel Arneman. And we will discuss the human side of life in the
1: lab and the research culture. Welcome back, Dan. I'm glad to be back, and happy birthday to you, sir. Happy birthday to you, sir. Yeah, this year, Josh and I celebrated birthdays a week apart. This is the first time ever. (laughs) That's right, a special occasion. No, I think over the last 10 years, they've roughly been around the same times every year. It's It's amazing how that works out. so coincidental. Um, But in honor of, of the birthday celebrations, I wanted to make you your signature birthday drink. Did you make my favorite cocktail? This is the Whiskey Sour with as much fruit as will fit around the rim fruited up a notch
0: and we got to post a, we got to post a photo of this i mean the fruit is just popping off of this thing cheers cheers oh yeah that's the stuff you know the key to a great whiskey sour is whiskey and sour mix <laughs> no Sour mix is not the way you want to go with a whiskey sour. Well, we we made the mix of
1: sour ingredients. That's what
0: it's all about, the fresh citrus. See, people don't realize the sour mix, it's not some special magical chemical. Lemon juice, lime juice, and our special ingredient...
1: Orange juice, yes. The orange
0: juice. This is perfect. This is unheard
1: great. of, I'm sure, in the world of whiskey sours.
0: We've just changed your life out there.
1: Mine's tart. It's good though, I, and I actually get a little bit of the butter from the whiskey. So it must not be terrible whiskey that I bought. Well, you paid for it, so exactly. you tell me. No, it's not. It wasn't off the bottom. I didn't get the ancient age and the things I probably would have. <laughs> Always give from the middle shelf. Yeah, exactly right. It's not the top. No, I've, I don't know where it was. <laughs> you heard it here first. It Wasn't on the bottom. I didn't have to stoop down to get it. That's right. Don't worry. You'll be on postdoc salary one of these days. So hopefully this lives up to your expectation. Uh, I know you used to really love the whiskey sour from Fuse, which then became three or four other things. But
0: yeah, they had the best whiskey sour
1: I've ever had. Except for this one, until now, until tonight, until now. Well, very good. You know, today we are, are talking about our birthdays and we're interested in our birthdays. So, Josh, other than a perfect whiskey sour, is there anything else you want for your birthday? You know, Dan, what would be
0: great for my birthday is I would love it if our listeners would go to iTunes and if they really enjoy the Hello PhD podcast, give us a rating, give us a review. Uh, that really helps out people, other people find the podcast.
1: Well, that's great because that's something that even on a grad student budget you can afford since it doesn't cost anything.
0: It takes two seconds.
1: It takes two seconds. And you know what I would like? I would like them to share the podcast with one of their science friends.
0: Even more important, if there's somebody in your lab, a grad student, a postdoc, an undergrad that you think would benefit or enjoy the Hello PhD podcast, let them know about it. Tell a friend. Uh, that's really how we spread the word, how we get this thing um, to other people. And we would totally appreciate that. It's all we want for our birthdays.
1: That would actually mean a lot to me. That, that helps us get the conversation started at more places with more people. So that would be exciting.
0: Yeah. And that reminds me about something else I wanted to, to talk about here a little bit at the top of the show. And that is we really want your questions. And so you may be out there and think, well, you know, they've tackled some big issues so far. They've talked about postdoc salary, grad student health insurance, prelims. These are big things. But we, no question is too small. Tell us what you're dealing with in the lab right now. Maybe you've got a PI that's unreasonable. You've got somebody who's stealing your pipettes and putting them in their own drawer. Unheard of. <laughs> that's happened to me. Uh, we want to hear about it. So whatever you're going through in the lab, big or small, we want to talk about it here on the show. So you can email us, podcast at com, and we would love to talk about it. We also understand... Some of these things are sensitive. We are totally okay to do this anonymously, leave your name off. So if that's something that's important to you, you can let us know that as well. We will make up a hilarious fake name
1: for you, as
0: we have done in the past. And if you have a preferred fake name... This is
1: your chance to, to take on a new identity. That that's right. fun for a lot of and people. And it
0: makes our job easier.
1: For sure. So let's get to it, shall we? Yeah. So speaking of that, what question did we have that came in this week? Well, this one came in and you know really hit close to home for me. Um, a lot of the themes in the question um, struck, struck me where I had been and, and resonated with me. But we're only going to get to a part of this question because there's really a lot here to unpack, and we want to do uh, another episode more specifically focused on some of the, the other parts. But let me go ahead and read it. So this came from Jake. We've changed his name. He actually asked us to do that. Um, but Jake wrote, I am a disabled military vet who is going to school under the GI Bill. However, over the course of my time in college... I suffered a mental breakdown that led to my GPA plummeting and my leaving the small liberal arts college I was studying at. This has left me uncertain as to what my future will be, but the one thing I know for certain is that I want to finish my undergrad and get my PhD. I have several things that I'm concerned preclude that from even being an option for me. And the first thing he lists is, I'm concerned that I'm too old. I'm currently 27 years old. I mean, wow.
0: Yeah, that's heavy. That's a lot. Um, And we want to make sure, Jake, that we get to... um, all of the parts of your question, and we're actually we're going to reach out to some, some other individuals who um, have a little more experience, um, you know, who are either vets themselves or have, have experience with, with certain situations specific to vets.
1: Yeah, so, so for our listeners, in a future episode, we want to cover um, what it's like for a vet to go back to school. So if you are a veteran and you have gone back and gotten your, your Ph.D., we want to talk to you, um, and we've got some other interviews lined up. But, but for his question right now, I mean, this, this is not just for somebody who is getting out of the military and going back to school. The question, am I too old to go back? Am I too old to change my life's path? Am I too old to change my career? I mean, this hit, you know, I had a quarter-life crisis support group. Um, when I was in grad school and it occurred to me, as like, I don't think I want to do this type of research for the rest of my life. Um, I kept asking myself, I'm 26 or I'm 25 or whatever I was at the time. Am I too old now that I'm halfway through this program? Am I too old to go back and change it? Am I too old to go back and study something that I really want to do? Um, And and this, you know, reading this question just takes me right back there.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is such a great question that so many people wrestle with. And, you know, especially when you think about graduate school, and you know it's a five, six-year commitment. You know, you're not just thinking about how old am I now, but how old am I going to be when I finish with that PhD? And maybe I also know that I need a postdoc to get to
1: where I want to go, and you start doing that math, that can feel really
0: overwhelming, I think.
1: Yeah, I found some stats, um, a study done by the NIH, about NIH-funded research and training, and the median age for biomedical scientists to get their degree was 32. That's median age, and the median age for starting a tenure-track position was 37. I mean, this is such a long training period, and to stand there at 27 years old and say, I've got to do my undergrad first... And then go through all of this. I I think this is this is big. Dan, it's something
0: I want to talk about on a future show. But just today, uh, I was reading a paper with with my team, and in this paper, it was a a synopsis of some suggestions that had been made by um, faculty, administrators, people within the biomedical community about what are the big things that need to change to sustain the biomedical workforce. And one of those eight suggestions was shortening the time to graduation for graduate students and shortening the training time for postdocs and really generated some fascinating discussion. And I think that's something we should talk about on a, on a future episode.
1: Let's do that. But, but this week you were able to line up uh, an interview with someone who actually went back to school, went back and got her PhD, uh, you know, kind of at the non-traditional stage at a later age. And, and I, I'm excited to hear some of the insights she has to share with Jake.
0: That's right. Because as much as we may seem to be experts on every topic. We
1: before. do know everything, but we like to give other people a chance.
0: Dan, how old were you when you started graduate school?
1: I must have been 22.
0: You know, I was 21 for about a week, and then I turned
1: 22. Actually, it was probably about a week hey, before you. happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday. We've come full circle. I think I went to your birthday. I know you came to my my birthday that, that first year in grad school. I did. We
0: were such young friends then. Yeah. So, yeah, we are going to get Robin Chamberlain on the line, and so um, I think she's going to have a lot of insight to give us on this topic. Let's, Let's give do- her a call. Let's talk to her. So why don't you, so introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and what you do.
2: Um, I'm Robin Chamberlain. I am an assistant professor at St. Louis University in the pathology department, and I direct the clinical microbiology laboratory there.
0: Fantastic. Sounds like a good gig.
2: It, it's pretty great.
0: <laughs> How long have you been doing that?
2: I've been doing that for just over four years.
1: Four years. Wow. How old am time I moves. again? Because I feel like <laughs> I feel like she just left.
2: I feel that way, too. And I was in St. Louis for two years before that. So, so time moves fast. Wow.
0: <laughs> so, Robin, why don't you share what is your connection to the Hello PhD podcast?
2: All right. So... I went to graduate school with both Josh and Dan. Um, I was actually lucky enough to share the same lab with Josh, and we kind of went through this experience together because he started shortly after me. Um, and so we've, we've known each other since then.
1: Full disclosure. I think you got, <laughs> didn't you give me my side job in grad school?
2: Oh, that's right. I think we security all staffing together as well because we all have this intimidating presence that is, is well-suited for Are,
1: Are we allowed to talk about that now, the fact that we had outside employment <laughs> yeah, well, in graduate let's, school? Let's save that for another episode, but I have some good star- stories from being a security staffer at a football game.
0: <laughs> yeah, if you've seen us, we do not look like your traditional security guards. I mean, Robin, on the other hand.
2: <laughs> I'm intimidating. That's right.
0: Uh, so we we got Robin on the show because as Dan and I mentioned, we were both whippersnappers when we began our graduate training. But when we when we knew that we needed somebody old <laughs> to talk about their graduate
1: experience, you're just being mean.
2: Experience maturity. Ex- experience no, and maybe maturity. I, maybe and I should be
1: interviewing Robin, Robin, because I don't actually know a lot of your backstory. Did you go? Did you already have an undergrad degree when you went back to school for your PhD, or how did you get started?
2: Well, Dan, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) I'm I'm asking because
1: I actually would like to know.
2: (laughs) All right. I actually did not have my bachelor's degree when I came to North Carolina. So I had an associate's degree. Um, I think learning a trade and going to a community college is underrated, and people don't respect that as much as they probably should. Totally agree I had an associate of applied science degree, and I worked as a medical laboratory technician for a number of years, um, during which time I had planned to come back to school, but it just took a while because I had young children during that time. And then I came to North Carolina and finished my undergrad, got my bachelor's at UNC before starting graduate school there.
0: So Robin, if you don't mind me asking, if this is not too personal, how old were you when you started graduate school?
2: Ah, I don't know if I can tell you exactly, Josh. I was in my mid-30s.
0: Okay, so this is perfect. So, so Jake, <laughs> who wrote in, he, he was um, saying he's 27 years old, and his question was, is he too old? to start graduate school, too old to go back to graduate school. So I would have to think your answer would be no.
2: I would say absolutely not. Um, that was a, definitely a concern that I had going in. And then actually once I started, it, it wasn't really an issue at all for me. Um, and I was he's quite a bit younger than, than I would have been. And as you know, everybody starting graduate school isn't directly out of undergrad. Everybody's not 22. So I don't think he's beyond the normal range of of people who are going to graduate school and even if he were i would say don't let that discourage you if it's what you want to do i I don't think being in your 20s 30s is really a factor
1: i think it's really good advice because you're right it's not as if everybody pops out of undergrad and goes straight to grad school and in fact the people that do like i did that and i really should not have people really (laughs) encourage me to go Go work for a few years. I think if I had gone to work for a few years, I may not have gone to grad school. So it's it's good doing? advice to find out what you want to do before you decide to invest in going to school.
2: What would you be doing instead, Dan?
1: Uh, computer programming. I don't really know. It changes week to week. Dan used to work at a zoo. <laughs> I did when I was in tenth grade. I don't think I don't think that's a career path. Professional zookeeper. That'd I be still cool. Have the shirt, yeah. Um, so do you? How how did you know that that was the right thing for you? Because I think. For me, you know, following this this chain of logic that you should go to graduate school if that is your passion, if that is the type of work you want to do, how did you know that the degree that you would get would lead you to the career you wanted?
2: I really didn't, Dan. Like most things um, I've done in my life, it was kind of an accident. Uh, so I was working in hospital labs. I really loved microbiology. It was the area that was that fit best for me. Um, and I had read a book around that time called The Coming Plague, and it was a book about emerging pathogens, and it was really fascinating. Sounds
1: hopeful, yeah.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and, and I, I felt like I want to go do what the people in this book are doing. I, I want to discover new pathogens and and investigate them. And I didn't understand that most of the people in that book were really epidemiologists, and I was – going completely the wrong path if I wanted to do what they were doing. Um, so it wasn't until after I started grad school, like probably most of us, that I realized what my job would actually look like if I did what I was trained to do. And that wasn't actually what I wanted to do. So,
1: so you actually pivoted inside of that that training.
2: Absolutely. So I the, the career I ended up having where I'm, I'm directing a clinical lab, I didn't really realize that career existed. Um, and probably as you guys also experienced you know, I, I know that Josh and I shared an amazing PI, but most PIs know how to train you to become a PI. That's, mm-hmm. that's what they do. Yeah. Um, but I was fortunate enough that the chair of my committee had had somebody go through his lab and then do a similar clinical fellowship at, in chemistry. And so he was able to advise me that that this type of career even existed. And so because of that advice, I, I started investigating it and found out it really was a perfect fit for me. But I was several years into grad school before I knew that the job I now do even existed.
0: So I think that's really fascinating, and, and, you know, that's true for me, too. I would not even have known what I do now was even an option for me. Um, So what advice would you give to students who are coming through, who are in graduate school, and maybe they think it's okay, but they've recognized that, you know, I don't want to run a lab, I don't want to be a PI in academia, but I'm not sure what I want to do. What advice would you give to them? as far as identifying a career that's good, a good fit for them?
2: I think one thing you can do is find out where the people from your program have ended up. They're not all PIs. Find out the things they're doing and talk to them and see what they like. And you might discover some things that you didn't know were possibilities, um, but clearly all those people aren't PIs now. So that's a good way to find some other yeah, options.
0: Yeah, that's good advice because, I mean, most of the data out there now says anywhere from 8 to 15% of graduates are going on to be PIs. So, right, what are those other 85 to 90% of people doing? That's such great advice is actually ask people. You mean I'm
1: not the only one that's not a PI? (laughs) I thought you told me you were.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're not special, Snowflake. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Robin,
1: Uh, I've I've got kind of a a follow-up question to the going back to school piece. Sure. Did you face any kind of... um, I don't know, negative attitude or did did students treat you differently because you went back to school at a later date? I know that if you're an undergrad and you go back to school when you're older, you can kind of um, maybe be treated poorly by the younger students.
2: Um, if that was the case in grad school, I was unaware. It could just be that I was oblivious, but I, I didn't experience that. So, no, I, mean, there, I have close friends from graduate stu- school who I'm still very close to. Um, I, I never felt anyone overtly treated me strangely. Or, we, no. we
0: definitely made fun of you behind your back, but it had nothing to do with your age. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't do that.
2: I mean, and,
1: and that makes a lot of sense. So I feel like, you know, as, as I got into graduate school, I had friends of various different ages. I have friends now who are in their 60s. I have friends who are in their 90s. So, you know, age becomes less of a thing. Do you sure. feel like waiting to go back helped you in any way?
2: Um, I, I think there's pros and cons to it. When I, when I talk to my kids about sort of their career paths, I advise them not to do what I did, but not because I think it was wrong for me. It worked out perfectly for me. I'm really happy. My daughter likes to point out that I actually got a good paying job just as she was leaving home. So it was a good plan in my case. Um, but it, it's not necessarily that I would advise people to do it this way. Just do what works in your life.
0: Yeah, could you talk about, were there any certain, certain things that were challenging? We talk a lot on here about, a lot of the challenges that graduate students face in general, but do you feel like there were any specific challenges you had by being older, having a family, uh, while you're going through graduate school that maybe a younger or person without kids might have had to experience?
2: Um, I, I think having kids during that time was definitely a challenge. Uh, but having kids
1: pres- at any time is a challenge. I, I'm here to that's tell everyone
2: exactly or <laughs> true. So, so Josh, you're facing that challenge now. It's yeah. just. When, when you decide to have a family, it's challenging and it's a lot of work. And so that doesn't matter if it's graduate school, postdoc, faculty. If you're working at Walmart, that's probably the hardest challenge of all to have kids. Um, so, yeah, that part was a challenge, but that's just how it was.
1: We read the statistics earlier, but the um, the median age of, of getting a, a job in the biomedical sciences after you get your Ph.D. is 37
2: so see, they're all catching up with me anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's, it's totally true. I mean, you're joking, but it's exactly true. <laughs> so is there
0: anything, knowing what you know now, um, you know, looking back on what you've gone through, if you could do it over again, is there anything you would do differently?
2: No, absolutely not. Um, which is not to say that it was like the smoothest, easiest way to do things, but there's things to learn all along that route. So I, no, I wouldn't change any of it.
1: And it sounds like once you decide that this is the thing you want to do, you've got to follow it no matter what the age I mean the, the question is an interesting one because um, he comes from the military and I know that there are age limits on entering the military I think the last one I'm now eligible for is the Coast Guard and that's it. Um, I think you can be 39 to go into the Coast Guard but you you know, hurry. Your, your body your body might wear out you're not going to be an Olympic athlete at you know 35 or 36 but but if you care about science, I think you can do that till you're 95 or 105.
2: Absolutely. I think there's a huge benefit to the maturity and the life experience you bring with you, having done the other things that he has done. So I don't think that there's that, that that's um, something that should hold him back at all.
0: Yeah, you know, I almost wonder if, you know, students wouldn't be better off, you know, living some life, working for a while before going back. I mean, I know it almost felt arbitrary when I was trying to decide a direction I wanted to go in for the rest of my life as a 19, 20-year-old, as an undergraduate. I mean, I almost felt like I was you know, just throwing darts at the wall, uh, you know, trying to choose a career path, trying to pick a major. I didn't even know who I was at that point in time.
1: Yeah, it's insane to think about as a, a 19 or 18-year-old, I'm committing to a path that will take me to 37 before I have a job. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's pretty incredible.
0: Yeah, I would have to think, Robin, you were pretty focused by the time you started graduate school because you probably had a pretty good idea that yes, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm interested in pursuing.
2: Well, Josh, I could tell you I was pretty focused, but you knew me during that time, so you might (laughs) have told you that. I I think I was at least pretty intent that I'd made the decision, and and now I was going to do whatever it took to to make it work.
0: Rob, is there anything else you want to say? So most of the listeners out there are graduate (laughs) students, postdocs. Any advice, any uh, parting words you have for people going through the process right now?
2: Um, just, it's, it's challenging. It's hard. It's hard for everybody. Stick with it. I, I think the hardest thing for me, and I, I think I've, I've heard you guys say it as well. is just sort of that, that difficulty of not knowing when you'll be done, not knowing what's going to happen next and sort of having to face everybody in your life when they're constantly asking you about why aren't you done yet? Um, so I think my advice for people who are going through it right now is, is, it's really When you finish, it's really great. Life is pretty good, so just stick with it. You'll be okay.
1: It gets better. Yeah, it does.
2: It's so much better. It doesn't get worse, which is nice <laughs> to say.
1: It can't get worse. It's
0: really bad during that whole process. The light at the end of the tunnel yeah. is not a train, it turns out. We're here to tell you. All here. right, so Robin, we are going to put you on the spot. We're going to uh, jump into the word origin puzzle. Josh loves these. I love these. I'm batting about uh,
1: one out of five on these so far, mm-hmm. I think. Decent. So <laughs> Okay, so the, the clue last week was, this dew-loving insect has a noticeably black stomach. Any, any guesses? I'll, I'll give you another hint if that does not ring a bell. I do think There's I know this hint. one. Okay, the original clue that Josh made me change because he thought it would be too obvious, I, I don't know if this is true, but the original clue was going to be, this dew-loving model organism has a noticeably black stomach. So name as many model organisms as you can in 30 seconds. C. elegans? Oh, good uh, guess! He thought, yeah, <laughs> we thought we guessed that. Heidi Klum, Cindy Crawford.
2: I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not a B6 mouse. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, the, those are black.
2: I don't know, guys. What is the it?
1: answer? Was Drosophila melanogaster? So the uh, the Greek "drosos" means dew or moisture, and phylos is loving. So dew loving, and then "melano" black, "gaster" stomach. And I learned this way. I've been out of science for too long, but I realized this week that in 2010 they tried to change the name of Drosophila melanogaster to Sophophora Melanogaster. Were you aware of this? I've never heard that. That's news to me. I guess they reassigned the genus or they tried to reassign the genus and there was a big backlash by everybody who's ever published on Drosophila and said, There's no way we're changing the name of this. Nobody? Nobody's with me on this? I just learned about it. Maybe it wasn't a big deal.
0: Today I learned.
1: Yeah. So now they've got um, the genus. They they kept the genus Drosophila. Now it has a subgenus of Sophophora, and Sophophora means wisdom carrier, which I think is that's some, cheesy. Something a fly carries. I don't like it. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's not why... not a fan. It, I'm riding in the street now. Maybe that's why it failed. Who knows? Uh, so
2: I have to tell you guys. I really was prepared for for you to ask me about beer, not flies. So oh, tell I us what
0: tell us what beer you're drinking, <laughs> Robin. Are you are you so I. I don't know if you know, we are drinking whiskey sours right now. Are you, are you imbibing at this moment?
2: I am, actually.
0: Tell us about it. What are you drinking?
2: I am drinking Urban Chestnut Brewing Company's Schnickelfritz. It's a local St. Louis beer, and it's really amazing.
0: Now, do you know, do they distribute? Is this something that our listeners could find, or more importantly, that
1: I could find? <laughs> or that you could mail to us? <laughs> now that we're talking.
2: great question. I don't know, but if you can find it, you should definitely try it. What is the
1: style on it?
2: This is a Bavarian Weiss beer.
1: Schnickelfritz, I like that.
0: Okay, Robin, I'm telling you, this is what what we're going to do um, in exchange for allowing you to be a guest on the Hello PhD <laughs> podcast. Oh my gosh! Yeah. You could mail us two bottles of uh, <laughs> Urban Chestnut uh, Bavarian brew. That would be fantastic. We will drink it on the air. Schnickelfritz. Fritz.
1: Fritz. I, <laughs> I like that. Well, I'm going to give out this week's clue, and you can work on it. Um, and then email me, Robin. Are you ready for it? All right, I'm ready. Okay. What anatomical structure found in the towering elephant is named for the tiny mouse? So I'll read it again. What anatomical structure found in the towering elephant is named for the tiny mouse? A paradox. I, Interesting. Exactly. I, I worked very hard on this one. So if you think you know the answer, uh, it's a scientific word described by the clue, and once you get it, you'll find that the literal meaning of that science word is a phrase in the clue itself. And if you think you know the answer, email me at puzzle at hellophd.com, and I will select a winner randomly from the correct answers.
0: Fantastic. Robin, thank you so much for uh, getting on here and talking to us. That was really great. That was rich.
2: Well, thank you, guys. It was really nice to talk to both of you.
1: And we shouldn't wait so long between conversations, Robin. I miss talking to you. Aw, thanks, Dan. All right, that was Robin
0: Chamberlain, uh, director of the Microbiology Clinical Lab at St. Louis University.
1: That was great. I think she's going to write in with her own etymology puzzle next week. I have the feeling. I think she will. I think she might be angling for that gift card.
0: She seemed to love it. <laughs> I think so. I think you've got a lifetime fan. Well, hey, that, that's all the time we have right now. I just want to thank everybody for listening to the Hello PhD podcast. If you have a question, we'd love to hear from you. You can send us an email, podcast at hellophd.com, or you can tweet at us at Hello PhD or find our Facebook page. I can't find our Facebook page. I'm not on Facebook. <laughs> One of the few, the holdouts. Somebody can find us on Facebook. Yes, if that's your thing, you can find us that way. Um, what a great show! I enjoyed talking to Robin, Dan. Always a pleasure to uh, hang out and drink with you, sir.
1: And it was very fun. Happy birthday to you! Happy and I birthday, hope you to enjoyed you. your special whiskey sour with much fruit. Did you consume all the fruit finally?
0: Um, I've got a couple pieces left. There's about two pounds of fruit uh, on the side of this glass. Um, We'll get the big sharp
1: online. It looks beautiful.
0: Beautiful. We will
1: see you guys next week. See you next week. All right. What are we doing? What are we doing, Dan? This is your birthday celebration. My birthday too, but this is your signature drink, which it's my is my favorite drink: whiskey sours. So we've concocted some sours mix. You want to say what's in it?
0: Yeah, this is freshly squeezed. So we've got some fresh squeezed lemon juice, lime juice, and here's the secret. Orange juice.
1: Whoa! Three citruses?
0: I don't mean the stuff from the carton. Fresh squeezed orange juice.
1: There are a couple of um, lemon seeds in here, so I assume we will choke to death during the podcast at some point.
0: The lemon tree starts growing in my stomach. we will know why.
1: some mixed in there. I have no idea how much to add. Going into the shaker. I'm pop open the, uh, what did I pick up? Dickel Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey. I have no idea whether this is good or bad whiskey, we'll find out. It's the best for this. Sounds good.
0: So I want to say this is very scientific. We are putting, uh, we are not measuring this at all. <laughs> there are no tastes measuring devices. It will taste terrible. And I think you half a bottle, that's probably about right. <laughs> that's reasonable. And how about simple syrup? Some simple syrup. This is made with some uh, organic sugar diabetes level, or you just want a little shade uh, I'm, not, I'm not a sweet fan. We can always add more. I don't, I don't like that's a cocktail it. that's too
1: sweet. Yeah, let's get the lid on. Okay, like a Polaroid picture. <laughs> Does that seem like enough shakes?
0: Uh, maybe one more, for good measure.
1: One to grow on? Um, you think over ice or not over
0: ice? Uh, I don't know. I go back and forth. Let's say...
1: Uh, I'm thinking uh, no ice ready ice. The glass is chilled, though. Here we go. Look at that. And then, on fruit.
0: Regular on listeners there. will know, I like a fruit garnish.
1: It has to have fruit. We've we'll post
0: pictures of this on the web. Lime looks delicious. Lemons, limes,
1: peaches, and orange for the full fruit festivity. No maraschino cherry, though. That's, That's OK. Hopefully will be all right.
0: That is beautiful. That's a beautiful drink. I'm excited about that.
1: All right, cheers.
0: Cheers. Ah, that is delicious.
1: Very good. Shall we move on with the podcast or just kind of sit here with these for about half an hour?
0: Yeah, I think we're ready to start the show.